Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. May I preach in the name of the one God, the ground of our being, the Word made flesh, and eternal love. Amen. First, let me extend my thanks to Bishop Susan, the Dean, and all of you for your willingness to have me as one of the cathedral's honorary assistants. As a priest for, I suppose, 46 years now and a bishop for 25, I appreciate the opportunity still to preach and preside occasionally. Many of my years in ministry were served in the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific, so it is a special joy for me too to serve here with the Dean, whose roots are in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and we share Antipodean friends and experiences. For my first sermon in the Dean's presence, it seems only appropriate to begin with a story about Bishop George Augustus Selwyn, the first Bishop of New Zealand. In the mid-19th century, Bishop Selwyn was building up the new diocese and often recruited clergy from England. One morning, the ship arrived in Auckland Harbor with a new clergy retreat. The tide was out. The ship could not reach the shore. The crew advised him, you'll have to wade ashore. Finally depressed, distinguished, the priest was outraged and said he would do no such thing. The message was sent ashore. After a while, a craggy, poorly dressed man waded from the shore to the ship. Here, he said, get on my back. Seeing no other choice, the priest wrapped his arms around the man's neck and was carried ashore. Upon arrival, he detached himself, straightened his clothes, raised himself to his full height, and declared, take me to Bishop Selwyn. The man who had carried him ashore turned to him and said quietly, I am Bishop Selwyn. The story is one of love. This week's Advent theme as servanthood, getting one's hands and feet dirty for the sake of the gospel. We think of biblical passages about Jesus. He emptied himself and took the form of a servant. I am among you as one who serves. Now we all have pandemic stories, and I hope you will forgive me if I tell you mine very briefly. In February 2020, after retiring from the Church of the Ascension, I left for three months in Brisbane, Australia, staying with Anglican Franciscans in the parish there to have a quiet place to work on my book on the history of the Sisters of the Church in the Solomons. The pandemic hit, and Australia closed its borders very tightly. Initially, I was very happy, happy enough to be stranded and locked down in Brisbane, one of my favorite cities. As I was with friends, it was still possible to worship. The parish was friendly and welcoming. The food was good, too good probably, uh, and I was able to write. However, as the months dragged on, I realized that I was genuinely stranded. 
began to be a bit alarmed with no firm departure date in sight. Airline reservation after reservation canceled, ticket prices outrageous, Australian visa fees and requirements intensifying, and I was still renting my empty apartment in Hamilton. I got tired of my narrow monastic bed and tired even of the, of the brother's overly aggressive dog and so forth. I became quite concerned. But finally, after nine months, uh, through the great generosity of the brothers and the parish, I flew home at the end of November last year, returning to my own apartment, my own bed, my own country, and to Canadian winter. Now my small, mostly comfortable nine-month exile in Brisbane forced me to think of others who've had much more drastic experiences of exile and separation, perhaps permanent exile, experiences I know that some, and maybe many of you here, have had. I thought, for example, of Korean families, even husbands and wives, divided for decades without communication by the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea, making the reunification of Korea an alive and deep issue today for the Korean churches and nations. I thought of refugees separated from their families, whether resettled or in refugee camps or in transit. I thought of those who have voluntarily left their families to work overseas, whether Filipino nurses or Latin American, Caribbean farm workers, and the resulting separations to families. The numbers are not small. 85% of nursing graduates in the Philippines go on to work overseas. And while Australia prohibited its own citizens from returning from overseas during the pandemic, it welcomed thousands of Pacific Islanders to pick fruits and vegetables and work in abattoirs, work that Australians refused to do. And more recently, we've become aware of the tragic separations entailed with Indian residential schools. In the light of these and many more separations, mine was small. I knew it would eventually come to an end. It did, and after two weeks of quarantine, I entered with you another separation, the Ontario lockdown of last December in a bubble of one. Separation, isolation, quarantine, loneliness, depression, perhaps even despair and death, these have become the experiences, the emotions, the words of our last two years. Theologically, of course, they are part of our experience of the cross, of Jesus' divine separation from his, of Jesus' separation from his divine parent, his cry of abandonment, his suffering, his death, but lifted up in resurrection. In our experiences of lockdowns and separations over the past almost two years, I'm sure we've all had some experiences of resurrection too, whether of personal growth, new skills, completed projects, or even expanded friendships, maybe only if digital. But what does all this reflection on separation have to do with Advent, which we are still marking, and Christmas, which we shall soon celebrate? Put bluntly, Christmas is about presence, God's presence with us, Emmanuel, 
and our Christ-like presence to one another, the very opposite of separation and absence. Indeed, the messianic reign prophesied in Isaiah and the other prophets, which we have been hearing about in our Advent readings, is about gathering in of all nations and peoples into a community in which God will be present in a new and immediate way. As we near Christmas, today's gospel turns from John the Baptist and his message of repentance in preparation for the messianic reign to the simple domestic story of how that reign will come about. Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth when both were pregnant, Mary with Jesus, Elizabeth with John. The closeness of the two women is such that the unborn John leaps in Elizabeth's womb, sensing the unborn Jesus nearby. Elizabeth prophesies Jesus' messianic ministry and exclaims to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary responds with the Magnificat, that revolutionary hymn describing God's reign of justice, love, and divine presence, soon to be ushered in. Somewhat casually at the end of the Magnificat, Luke comments that Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months, rather a long time of mutual presence and support. Likewise, today's passage from Micah turns from the earlier Advent penitential themes of repentance to the domestic details of the birth of the Messiah, an obscure prophecy of a messianic birth in the small town of Bethlehem, one who will stand to feed his flock and be present with them in justice, peace, and security. And the passage from Hebrews that ritual sacrifices and offerings, which often required separation and abstinence, are not any more desired by God, but rather the presence and offering of Jesus Christ once and for all. Advent leads us away from separation to presence. And Jesus is born, God among us, Emmanuel. The presence of God with us, the infant Jesus, and his subsequent ministry to his death on the cross, his resurrection, ascension, and glorification. As Christians, just as we are encouraged to internalize Christ's death and resurrection in our lives, we are encouraged to internalize God's presence in Christ, whether by ourselves as being present to one another, as Christ's hands and feet in the world, as St. Teresa puts it, or always trying to see Christ in the other, as in the Benedictine tradition, always the servant, not the proudly served, as in my beginning story. All the public health restrictions of the pandemic, which I fully support, do not remove our obligation to be present to the world in love, as God became present to us in the incarnate Christ. Indeed, all the separations of the pandemic force us to work harder to be present and do not give us an excuse to withdraw selfishly into ourselves. For example, we can, as this cathedral congregation has often done, seek ways to reach out to those who are especially isolated at this time, for those living alone, those isolated from friends and family, 
those stranded, those in long-term care facilities, even if the protocols are difficult, and those imprisoned, and the Sunday afternoon open church is such an initiative. We are also called to recall those in our communities whose lives have been shaped, whether overall or more immediately, by isolation and separation, and who still grieve lost families, friends, places, and homes. We can provide support and friendship. Beyond ourselves, we can encourage government initiatives, government immigration programs for reunification of families. And there is a terrible backlog there. And we can assist refugees to settle in Canada and also protest deportations. And beyond our nation, we can be aware of situations and become advocates for Canadian and global and government business policies and practices, destroy families, and indeed whole peoples, languages, and cultures. On the global stage, Canada is sometimes a bad actor in resource extraction and arms sales. And then there are the contemporary results of historical oppressive separations, slavery, colonialism, post-colonialism, cheap acquisition or theft of indigenous lands, broken treaties, the terrible legacy of Indian residential schools, and other forms of incarceration. Pulling down a few statues hardly addresses the issues. To these historic sinful separations, Christmas calls us to be present with repentance, listening, friendship, humiliation, humility, and even reparations. Finally, we come back to ourselves and our personal experiences of isolation, separation, and death. That no matter how great the pain, we are always in God's presence. And indeed, through God's grace, we have the power to be God's presence to others, not sinking into despair, but open to divine healing and reconciliation. Memories can be healed. Forgiveness, hope, love, solidarity are not something we have to manufacture from scratch, but they are rather supernatural graces, God's free gift to us, both to be comforted and encouraged by the divine presence and to offer it to others. We prepare the ground, God gives the growth. Now, as I began with the Bishop Selwyn story, it seems only appropriate that I end with one, another one. Bishop Selwyn, like Bishop Strawn, the first Bishop of Toronto, and Dean Geddes, the first Dean of this cathedral, was an old-fashioned high churchman, placing great value on the church and the sacraments. However, for his new diocese of New Zealand, he recruited all sorts of clergy, evangelicals, high churchmen, tractarians, liberals, and others. You might say he was inclusive. Some complained to him about the variety of clergy who appeared on the scene, suggested that he might, suggesting that he might do a little bit better job screening them. He defended himself with the aphorism, <coughs> a running stream purifies itself. That what was important was steady growth, movement, and interaction. Note a running stream, a 
flowing stream rather than a flash flood or a dry riverbed or a stagnant pool. The image is quite biblical. One of my Solomon Islands' favorite choruses, which I shan't attempt to sing, is entitled Streams of Living Water. My impression is that this cathedral parish is just that sort of running stream, and I praise you for it. And may that flowing stream be one of God's presence, Emmanuel, in the Christmas season and in the years ahead. Let us pray. Streams of living water flow inside of us. Come, Holy Spirit, flow through us. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ's Church Cathedral. Our original theme and audio engineering are done by Eduardo Farias. For more information, go to cathedralhamilton.ca. We hope you would join us again soon. Have a blessed day.